Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Pastor Brian, joined in the studio today by Zach Johnson, Peter DeTore. Guys, I've got you in here because we're starting a series on anxiety. Today, we're going to talk about the secret to overcoming anxiety, and you're going to share your stories a little bit as you go, but give, maybe give us just the just the one-minute version of your story, um, because there are probably people listening to this who who have clicked on this because they struggle with anxiety and they want to know what the secret is. We're going to get to that, but I think first we need to prove to people that we've struggled with anxiety. So I'll start. I, I, uh, my anxiety manifested in kind of claustrophobia a couple of years ago. I had started having panic anxiety attacks after never struggling with anxiety my whole life. So kind of a unique perspective, not that low hum anxiety, but just like sudden intense anxiety. What about for you, Zach? Yeah, very similar. Um, had don't believe I had ever experienced it my entire life until about a year ago, um, and it it kind of manifested itself in uh, fear of something happening to me physically. Mm-hmm. And um, oddly enough, a lot of it happened while I was driving, which was not necessarily the uh, the safest thing. Um, but it's it's something that been able to work through, uh, but was definitely, but definitely felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. And so driving was a trigger for you, uh, getting in a hotel room or, a or a airplane was a trigger for me because of claustrophobia. What about you, Peter? What, what was your, just quickly, what was your anxiety around and, uh, when did it start for you? Uh, it started a couple years ago for me. Um, when I had a medical condition, I had a collapsed lung out of nowhere, 48 year old, healthy male, goes to the gym all the time, just trying to take care of myself, and all of a sudden I have a collapsed lung. No car accident, no other medical condition just happened. I had a major procedure, and from that procedure I just uh, spiraled. Um, just could not understand why it happened, how it happened, and it set me into a, a complete panic of dealing with anxiety on a regular basis. And and I think I, I eventually reached a point where I realized anxiety has been a part of my life since I was a child, and I suppressed it, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. what happens when you do that. Right. And uh, I think the the episode with the lung was really that defining moment for me that something had to change. Yeah, it was a long time coming, and I think that's what my wife said about mine as well. She said, "You you think you've never had anxiety, but you probably have your whole life, and you just didn't real it, realize it. You probably just pushed through it the whole time." And I know there are some people out there who are listening to this. A lot of young people, especially, who struggle with anxiety. It's my daughter calls it this sort of low hum. It's not the panic anxiety necessarily, but it's just that low hum of anxiety. I know a lot of people feel that way. So whether it's whether it's panic anxiety, whether it's the just the everyday anxiety, the generalized anxiety or something in between that. We're going to talk today about the secret to overcoming it. I guess we should start before we get into scripture. And by the way, if you have a Bible out there, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 so you can turn there if you're not driving. But we're going to why don't we start by defining anxiety just so that we kind of get on the same page with what exactly the dictionary says about it. Define uh, anxiety according to the Oxford dictionary is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease typically about an imminent event or something with uncertain outcome. Does that make sense to you guys? That resonate with you? Yeah, absolutely. When I when I think about um, the word anxiety or being anxious, the first thing that comes to my mind is what if, right? Like what, what could possibly happen in this scenario or in this situation? Um, could, 
could I be impacted in this way? Or could my family be impacted in this way? Or um, negative things, right? Um, I also think about, uh, as, as I've battled through it over, over the past little while, I think about uh, not being in control. And when I think about being in times um, uh, when I'm most anxious, I feel out of control or, or perceived control, if you will, right? Um, and I think a lot of people um, love to have control over every situation in their life, and the reality is we don't. Um, so I think that's probably why a lot of us are anxious. When, when, when I also think about anxiety, for me, it, uh, I think about um, taking away my breath. I think about it taking away my sleep. I think about it uh, taking away my energy, general general wellness, um, and and that being a symptom or an impact of of being anxious. And for me personally, I've seen a rise in blood pressure. I've seen dizziness. I've been in meetings before when I feel like the room is is kind of collapsing on me, and uh, I can't really hear people, uh, or or I'm worried about what people perceive of me. You know, those are just kind of ways that when I'm anxious. Um, I see it. Uh, I see symptoms or it manifesting. Yeah, anxiety has has the power um, to stop us from living everyday life. And for me, that was that was the thing that drove the biggest fear because um, I I didn't know if I'd ever live that normal quotation marks right. What is normal? But I didn't know if I'd ever get back to being who I was when the anxiety really kicked in. And so the power that it has over us is just, um, it's just immense. And, and in reality, it robs us of really what we should be doing every day, which is being blessed that we woke up this morning and took a breath. Um, and then the other thing is it comes at a high cost, um, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. Um, so there's all these different areas of your life that anxiety is going to have an impact on. And, um, the more you suppress it, the more it'll take hold on those areas in your life, and it's it, it's 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 real. Yeah, that's the, that's what they call the anxiety cycle. Here's the cycle: four things, and this is this is in your head. I think it's important for people, even just as we share our own stories, we realize the moment we had a panic attack, from the moment before to the moment of the panic attack, nothing actually changed in reality for us. Right? When you're driving your car, Zach, nothing actually changed in reality for you. I'm not truly having a heart attack, even though it feels like that. Right. Like, that's, my, that's my mind. Yeah. The walls weren't closing in on me or you, yeah. Zach, right? When I felt claustrophobic, like literally nothing changed. So anxiety, so it's almost like, a, like an illusion, isn't it? It's like, a, it's like a, it's a trick of the mind that can be overcome. I think this is what we've all learned, and this is what we're going to help people to understand here today. Let's talk about the anxiety cycle, though, because I think before we jump into the secret and Scripture and what the Bible says about it, I think it's important to see what happens for many people, and I think we would all agree, guys, that it happened for us, okay? So four things. Number one, you have a trigger. Something triggers me. Anxiety triggers me. Again, for me, it's it's being in a in a uh, hotel room. Initially, it was being in a hotel room. It was uh, being in a plane or thinking about getting onto a plane because of the... So I was triggered. Anxiety triggered me. Zach, for you, it was getting getting in a car. Peter, I think for you, it was, it was traveling. Was that one of the things for you as well? Yeah, it was traveling. And then when I dealt with the medical stuff, I became so used to just having stuff connected to me. Yeah. So I constantly needed to check my heart rate, check my okay. breathing. What's my oxygen yeah. level? So I just became obsessed with what the vitals are of the mm. the health of the human body, 
and nine times out of ten, I was perfectly fine. Yeah. So for other people listening, it might be a thought, yes. a thought you have. It might be a person that could trigger that for you, like Stanley is for Michael on The Office, right? <laughs> or or whatever. So so you've got a trigger. Okay, that's it, number it one. It could be a situation, right? I mean, it could be a specific meeting you have in the week, uh, or an individual that you're meeting with, right? Mm -hmm. A boss or mm -hmm. a supervisor. It could be. Um, walking into a specific room or walking into, it, it could be a lot of different things. Yeah. For, for me, seriously, it was the show Shark Tank. I know this is going to sound really <laughs> funny to you, but I loved the show Shark. I used to love the show Shark Tank and it started to trigger anxiety in me because it got my mind ruminating. It got my mind thinking about inventions or about the next thing I should do or the thing I need to do. And so what, again, this is, it took me a while to learn this, but it, that was a trigger for me because I didn't realize it was tapping into some buried, some stuff that was buried in me that I hadn't dealt with in my own heart around, around um, success, for example, right? Because that, that, that's what that show represents to me is can these, these guys have a great idea? And are they going to win? Are they going to make it? Are they going to? And so for a lot of men, I think that's the kind of thing that we have to be honest about is there might be triggers that we don't even recognize what the trigger really is. Turns out the hotel room wasn't the trigger for me. Right. That was just the out, you know, the car is not really the trigger for you, Zach. It was something more related to your kids, right? Yep. Yeah. To kids and to work. And to work. And yep. to, the, to, to your lifestyle that had gotten out of control. So, okay, so number one, something triggers you. You might not even realize what it is and you have anxiety. And then here's number two. This is the anxiety cycle. This is the bad thing, right? Number two is you avoid it. You try not to face it. You stuff it, right? This is what I, I think I've been doing for a long, long time. Peter, I think you realize you were too yeah, in your life. Yep. Okay. And no I think it's fairly common for a lot of people, but especially men, yeah. to do that, right. to stuff it and to gut through it and to push through it because that's what we're supposed to do, right? Yep. That's what culture tells us. Yeah. Okay. So number one, trigger. Number two, you avoid it. Number three, you get temporary relief because you stuffed it for a minute, yep. right? And so it works in the short term, but here's the problem. This is what we learned. So Peter, for you, it worked for 48 years. For me, it worked for about 45, 46 years. Pretty similar, it sounds like. Zach, you're younger, so you're learning the secret but earlier than Peter and I did. Okay, But what happens next is, number four, it leads to more anxiety. It only gets worse in the long run, again, if when you get the trigger, you stuff it, you avoid it, you get temporary relief, but you're not going to get long-term relief. At some point, it's going to come calling, and I think that's what we've all experienced, right? Yeah, it's just like procrastinating on a deadline. It's, it's coming no matter what, right? You can only push it off so long, so yeah. Yeah, I think when I, when I got into dealing with it, I was just astounded. It was astonishing how much I actually had anxiety in my life and just refused to call it anxiety, acknowledge it as anxiety. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was all over me from the time I was a child. And, um, and that, was, that was real eye-opening for me mm -hmm. to realize, gave myself some empathy for myself mm -hmm. because I, I was able to look back and say, man, you did stuff this and, and you had a good run, but you don't need a good run. You really just had have been way better off dealing with it a long time ago. Okay, so there's our setup. We're defining anxiety. People are more anxious than ever now listening to this. Right? They're, they're saying, man, you're making me anxious. Just listen. Okay, so we're getting to the solution here. 
The no. one thing I would say real quickly is I think um, the 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 way that the way that I grew up, um, and I, I don't know if if it was my family or not, and I think for the longest time anxiety, um, or even general mental health issues have been a taboo subject that are not talked about, mm-hmm. which I think is fantastic that is changing in this in this world. Right, it's something that's being acknowledged, and um, you're, you're still quote unquote normal if there is such a thing and mm-hmm. a lot of people deal with it. So Yeah, and hopefully that's that's what'll be happening for people listening to this is it's gonna free them up to talk about it. Uh you know, I I know in my life when I when I had my panic attacks, my daughter who'd st- always struggled with sort of generalized anxiety, she always felt defective because of it. And when she saw her dad finally, who whom she always looked at as kind of Superman, as the kind of the you guys have the same story, you know, I, I'm kind of like I'm above it all, like I'm I'm the safe person, I'm the I'm your rock, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when the rock, so the rock feels like you need to you need to be immovable and no nothing phases you. Well, guess what? When I started struggling with my anxiety, it it made my daughter love me and relate to me more than ever. Because she said, okay, finally I realize this, there's, it's not a sin to be anxious, and it's not. It's not, a, it's not even a, de- I wouldn't even say it's a defect to be, it's just a reality that we have to learn to deal with in a biblical, godly, right, healthy way. And so for her, it, was re- it really kind of, it kind of released something for her to, to see that her dad struggled with this as well. And it connected us more than ever. And I would, I dare say that, man, I, this is true for all three of us guys, that it will improve your marriage like you never could could have imagined, right? Isn't that true for you guys? Absolutely. Um, my wife has just been completely supportive in this, and um, vulnerable um, is the word that I'd probably come up with the mm-hmm. most, that I've just had more opportunity to be vulnerable with her um, in ways that are just real, enriching. She's been supportive. Um, and it's just something we can openly talk about all the time. I can't hide this from her. Yeah. She has a sixth sense that <laughs> she knows even even if I don't want to tell her, she'll be like, hey, something's off, and uh, and we can deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think um, when, when all of this happened and I, I fin- finally broke down a little bit and was honest to my wife about what I'd been dealing with, um, very similar situation, Brian, to you and your daughter, that um, it opened my wife's eyes a little bit, and she told me, um, I love you. Not that I didn't love you a lot, but I love you so much more now because you're more relatable, hmm. and um, I know that I know that you struggle because I do as well. And I, I think it's brought our relationship to another level of of intimacy and proximity. Just because um, we can we can be we can I'm more open than I have been in the past. Yeah, it's good. Okay, so let's talk about the secret to overcoming anxiety. And it comes from, as I said before, it comes from chapter four of the book of Philippians in the New Testament. This is, this is what I like to call the anxiety chapter. So if you've never re- read this chapter before, read the whole thing. We're, in fact, we're going to be spending some time in this entire chapter throughout this series. It kind of reminds me of the love chapter from... 1 Corinthians 13, so many people know that passage, love is patient, love is kind, et cetera, et cetera. Well, fewer people know that Philippians 4 is the anxiety chapter in the Bible. And here's a fun little fact. You know that the Bible is the Kindle's most highlighted book of all the books on Kindle that you can get. The Bible is the Kindle's most highlighted book. book. And here's the, here's the cool fact. 
Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, which we're going to look at today, is the most highlighted passage in the whole Bible. That's really cool. It's not First John, or sorry, John three sixteen. It's not uh, Genesis one one or whatever else. It's Philippians four six and seven. I was shocked to hear this, but here's what it says: Philippians four six and seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done, and then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And guys, this is the passage that's going to give us the secret to overcoming anxiety. We're going to talk today about replacing your old anxiety-producing habits with new peace-producing habits. So we're going to talk about replacing the anxiety cycle that we just talked about, you know, where you get a trigger and then you stuff it and then you get temporary relief, but eventually you end up with more anxiety because you never dealt with it. We're going to replace that with this four-step peace cycle that actually comes from verse 6. Okay, so let me read verse 6 one more time. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Four things I see there. Okay, let's take them, take them kind of one at a time, and let's talk about how we've done this in our own lives, guys. Number one, don't worry about anything, okay? So step number one in the peace cycle is to overthrow worry. Now, guys, when Paul says don't worry about anything, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't that at surface level sound a little bit like oversimplifying the thing? Like, just stop worrying, like we all probably said to our wives before we dealt with anxiety, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. When um, I-, I knew several people growing up who dealt with it and really struggled to understand um, why they why they worried or were anxious all the time, mm-hmm. and 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 it, that was it, right? And when you read that for what it is, it does sound like, why are you worrying? You, there's nothing nothing to worry about, mm-hmm. right? But there's there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, I think what it's saying, what Paul's talking about here, if you look at the original Greek, he's talking about basically a better translation would be don't be a worrier. He's not saying don't worry about anything because worry to a certain extent, a little bit of anxiety is healthy, right? A little bit of anxiety is what God gives us. If we, a completely anxiety free life would not be, would not serve us well, right? If you weren't concerned about your kid, by a street, that wouldn't be a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you, I mean, it's just not realistic, right? I mean, everybody yeah. cares about something. If it's not somebody, they care about something, right? So if they care about something, even if it's just themselves, there are going to be areas in their life where they worry about themselves mm-hmm. or about something. Mm-hmm. So it's, and, and I do think that a little bit of worry or a little bit of anxiousness, anxiety, um, is is a reality, but it's also positive, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you get into that fight or flight mode, and you've and you've got to worry, right? Um, but it's where that goes to the point of worrying about everything or constantly worrying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Paul is. So here's what here's what step one is. Paul, what I think Paul is saying. He's saying, don't let worry dominate your life. Don't let it dominate your thinking. Don't let it. Like you said, Peter, don't let it steal your joy. Don't let it steal the blessings in your life. You need to not stuff. Paul's not saying stuff it. That would be the opposite of what we should do. Paul is saying 
to take authority over it, to overthrow it, to recognize it for what it is, and prepare yourself to overcome it, which to me, I think, which at, at the very beginning means acknowledge it. Um, if you, when, you're, when you're triggered with worry, right? So number one, step number one in anxiety cycles, trigger, worry is triggered. What Paul says is when worry is triggered, don't stuff it. Just say, this isn't going to rule me. This is, this is not going to have authority over me. I'm not going to allow this to define me. Yeah, I know so much in, in my own struggle with it. I, I didn't start to see any progress until I came to terms with just what, just what you said there, Brian. I had to just give it what it was. I had to say, this is where I'm at, mm-hmm. and where am I going to go from here? And then I could start to attack it. But if I tried to call it something else mm-hmm. or say it wasn't happening or just deny it, um, there was no peace. And it wasn't until I finally came to, to terms with what it was and say, I, this is what's happening. I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm not going to stuff it anymore. Now I can go and, and start to work mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, actually, the, the tra- another translation says, be anxious for nothing. And I, and I love what, it, what it's saying is there's, he's, Paul's saying there's nothing that is worthy of worry in your life. So maybe at home you can you can take a list, write down all the stuff that worries you. My kids, their future, my marriage, my career, my whatever, my 401k, my my health. Write all just make a big old long list and look at that list and what Paul would say to that to that list, doesn't matter what's on the list. What Paul would say is none of that is worry of your is worthy of your worry. Now, that's a pretty deep thought right there, especially when you think of the context of Philippians, because Paul is actually writing this letter from jail, from prison. He's in prison, and not long from from the writing of this, he ends up dying for his faith. And one of the concerns of the Philippian church was his own welfare. They were concerned because Paul was imprisoned, imprisoned. Number two, they were concerned for their own suffering, because the church in Philippi was starting to experience suffering. And so this is what the, what the context, the immediate context is for this. And at the end of this book, chapter four is the last chapter, Paul is basically saying at the end of the day, don't worry about any of it. None of it is worthy of you. My imprisonment isn't worthy of your worry. Your suffering isn't worthy of your worry. None of it is worth worrying about. So if, if that stuff, kind of the eternal stuff, isn't worth worrying about, then look at your list. Is any of that worth worrying about? None of it is. That's what Paul's saying. Don't worry about it. Don't let it dominate your thoughts. I think for for me, um, in those in those times, I would worry about the simplest things, and and I and I would lay in bed at night and I would think about why am I thinking about these things? You know, it just felt like my mind was off off the um, off the railroad track, right? Like it, it's thinking about things that I've never thought about before and worrying about things and what that did to me and my relationships and um, my life ultimately was impacted my ability to find joy in it, impacted my ability to, um, to laugh, to, to smile, to, um, to make progress in a lot of different ways because I was so all consumed with, with worry, right? And fear. Fear because you couldn't control it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was out of control of mm-hmm. it, and I wanted to control it. Right. Yeah. 
And so at the end of the day, I remember, Zach, for you, as we've worked through some of this together, is you, you the word that God really gave you is trust, is that you, you have to, you know, I think what you said is that worry at, at, it, at its simplest definition is not trusting God. For a Christian, that's what worry is at its simplest definition. That, that ties into what Paul's saying here. He's saying he's learned that secret, Paul did, that he did trust God. He's in prison Talk about lack of control. Sure. Someone who's claustrophobic would not like that, okay? I would not like that because I would not be in control. But here Paul is just chilled out, telling people to rejoice and don't worry about it. He trusted God. And really control is a theme throughout the entire Bible that God's people struggle with. We struggle with it today. And and sometimes I, I wonder why that is. Um, but it's it's at the core of anxiety. It's at the core of trust. Um, it's at the core of faith, um, but somehow as humans, that human condition, we feel like we have control, whether that's entitlement, whether that's taught, whether that's in us and DNA. Um, it's just such an interesting concept that you really see throughout the Bible. Yeah, and it's actually just an illusion of control, isn't it? Because we totally is. Yeah, yeah, there's we nothing never, real about there's it. There's nothing real about it. <laughs> just like anxiety is an illusion, control is an illusion, right? We we don't we don't have control but this is where i this is why i think christians can really learn the secret of overcoming anxiety is because we serve and worship a god who is in control that's what we believe we believe he's sovereign we believe he's in control more than that we believe he's good that he has the best and that do, now that doesn't mean we're not going to suffer right clearly but we believe that he's good and so as christians we in fact if you're listening to this today and you're not a christian i would say that really to experience the secret, you have to come to faith in Christ, or none of this is even going to make any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that simple definition, Brian, that you mentioned, it, um, it was almost, it was, it was night and day. It was one night I was super anxious, and the next everything had just changed because God had made it very apparent to me that I was not trusting him in any way, shape, or form. That and that was the result of me worrying and me being anxious and me being fearful. And and not to say that I haven't been anxious or fearful or worry since that, but it's um, it's drawn me closer to God and helped me to release control. And and it you know if I really would sit here and say that I'm a believer and that I love God, um, I shouldn't I shouldn't worry every day, all day, about my life or my kid's life. Like, you know, it, it's interesting. All of us are parents. All of us are dads, right? It's interesting um, having children and and understanding how much you love your children. And then I am, I'm in a state of thankfulness to God that I have children because now I have a perspective that he has of us. Mm-hmm. And, and how much more does God love us than we love our children, mm. but we're so worried about our children being sick or not being accepted or being bullied or not being healthy. That's where I was at, mm. right? And God just like, yeah, I know you love your children. I gave you those children for you to love, but no, I love you so much more than mm. that. And that's that's where I got to. And and he loves them absolutely more than you love them which really helps us to 
not worry. It, if we really understand the goodness of God, then we we're, we're, we would say, God, I, I don't get it. I don't understand why you'd let them be sick or why whatever, or why, yeah. it, why you would take me from them if that's part. I know, Zach, that was part of your worry is, is you, now you're starting to think, what if I'm not around? To, that, that happened yep. to me when I was your age, Zach. And that was, a, that was a scary thought. Man, that was a dreadful thought. That's like existential dread is what that is. And, and as a Christian, <clears throat> we, on paper, we shouldn't have that problem, but yet we do right? Because we're human. And, and this is why Paul's saying, I need you to learn to not be overcome by that worry. You need to overthrow worry. Don't let worry dominate you like, un, like it does for unbelievers. Don't let it dominate your mind and your heart because God is in control. And so, you know, I said earlier that, that worry is not, anxiety is not a sin, but anxiety becomes a sin when you remain in anxiety at the exclusion of trusting God, when you're when you're cho- when you're choosing to worry instead of to trust God, that actually can become sinful, because when you're not trusting God, that's that's sin, and so that's why I think people, where Christians, need to really kind of listen to what Paul's saying here. Step number one: overthrow worry. Don't worry about anything. That's number one. Don't let it control you. You need to. You need to take authority over it and say, worry will not dominate my mind. Okay, step one. Step two, then, he says in the, se- in the other part of that sentence in Philippians 4, 6, he says, instead, pray about everything. So step two is, I love that he gives us this, by the way. He gives us a real practical thing. He says, replace it with prayer. So I, I love that, that when, you wor- when you have that trigger of worry, name it, say it's not going to dominate me, and then let that trigger do something different for you than what it did before, which before, what did it do, guys? That got you to ruminate and think about that thing, and now you're on this this trail in your mind, and it's making you more and more worried. And he's saying, no, stop that and replace it with prayer. Right in the moment, replace replace it with prayer. Let the trigger of anxiety become a trigger for prayer. Yeah, that was huge for me. Um, My wife was that constant reminder. She would see that anxiousness in me. And she'd just say, are you praying? Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? Maybe you need to stop and pray about it. And, and what I can say is that it's not a, it wasn't an instant cure. Like I didn't like all of a sudden stand up and be, I'm free of anxiety for the rest of my life. It wasn't anything like that. But there was overwhelming peace that would come from it. And it was just this peace knowing that I had a Father in heaven that loved me unconditionally right in that moment where I was as fearful and anxious as I could be. And so that was something that I would find myself going to over and over and over again. And it didn't matter where. It could be at work, it could be in the car. Uh, prayer for me became something that happened way different than it happened or what prayer was taught to me as happening. It just became something that had to, had to be a part of my everyday life just to function. And giving it to God was, was peaceful. Um, and then ultimately, I, I think it it got me over the top. It was a big step in the right direction. Now, some people might wonder what you mean by that, Peter, that you are going to pray all the time. In fact, Paul says that I think in First Thessalonians, pray continually. Without ceasing. Yeah, pray without ceasing. And that's what you were describing there, like a lifestyle prayer, not like a, okay, I'm going to try to pray like you're taking, taking uh, ibuprofen for a couple of weeks until the headache goes away, and now you're like, you're good. No, we're talking about a lifestyle of prayer. But, but, Zach, some people are like, okay, 
when I think of prayer, I think of what my pastor does or what the priest does. It's fancy words, and do I have to dress up for this? Am I folding my hands for this? What would you say? Your eyes have to be closed. No, I'm just kidding. Your <laughs> eyes don't have to be closed. I, um, for for me, and and what I think um, God intended it to be was was a simple conversation, and it and it doesn't need to be audible. It can be thinking about God. It can be. Um, you know, it can be thinking the words in your head. It can be while you're driving. It could be through worship, through singing a song. Um, it could be through humming. You know, I think the the one thing is it's not it's not sitting down at the dinner table with your hands folded, your eyes closed, and and finishing and starting a certain a certain way, right? I think I think it's so much more than that. And if we think about relationships, right? We think about relationships with our spouses or our children or our coworkers. Um, what does it take to build a relationship? It takes time, right? It takes time, spending time with that individual. When we think about God, it's the same exact way, right? To grow in relationship with God, it takes spending time with God. And you can spend time with God in reading the Word, but one very easy way to spend time with God is through prayer, through just talking to Him, right? And and that's been, that's been big for me. You know, we talked about uh, driving kind of being that that trigger. Um, I, for, for the longest time, I had to be listening to worship music or I had to be praying. And when I, when I would start to feel that, that panic come on, the first thing that I would do is pray and, and beg God. And and I think the one thing for me that prayer has done, um, is it helps me to focus not on myself. It helps me to focus on God. Mm or other people, if I'm praying for other people, right? And when we think about being anxious, when we think about worrying, a lot of times we're, that's, that's inwardly focused, mm-hmm. right? We're worried about the situation that we're in or what's going to happen. But if you f- can focus on God or you can focus on others or serving others, that's huge just to get you out of that inward-focused mentality. Yeah, and it, it sends a message to you. I think it's a, when, you, when you learn the discipline of prayer, let that anxiety be a trigger to pray, then it it <clears throat> teaches you to hand the situation the situation whatever it is hand it over to God. It's like you're giving it over to Him. God, it's yours. It's not mine. This thing, this interview I'm going into, or this this you know this cl- new client we're working with, or or an interaction with a teenage kid, or with my kids, or the my schedule, whatever my marriage, whatever it is that's creating anxiety for you, You're saying God, I'm I'm gonna I'm invite you in on this. I should have done that a long time ago, but you, this is your thing now, not just my thing. I'm not gonna try to bear this thing alone. I'm gonna let you do it. We have such a cool example that in the Old Testament in Second Chronicles, uh, the people of Israel, a bunch of armies are coming up against them, and. And uh, the king Jehoshaphat, he he calls out to God. He said, "We we don't we can't st- we're powerless against this army." And again, some people feel like that in their anxiety. We're powerless. He says, "We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help." That was his prayer. And then some guy in Jerusalem gets inspired by God to speak this to all the people. He says, "Listen, Judah. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what God says. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this huge army." Now you fill in whatever you need to for army, right? Whatever that thing is that's triggering it for you. And here's what he says. I love this. Write this down. This is Second uh, Chronicles 20. He says, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And that's such a great thing to remember. That's what prayer is for. Prayer is saying the battle is not mine. It's God's. You know, in leading the church over the last few years, I've had anxiety around a lot of things. 
And one of the biggest keys for me is just in my prayer is just saying, why, wait a second, why am, why am I acting like I care more about God's church than he does? It's his church. So that's really freed me up to say, God, this battle's yours. This isn't mine. I'm just a tool that you can use however you want to. I'm a small player in this. You're the main character in the story. And I think if we can do that in our prayers with, with our workplace, with our home, with our kids, with our own health, we can say, God, I'm giving it over to you. You know, this is all, I don't know, I don't know what to do, but I'm looking to you for help for the battle is not mine, but it's yours, God. That's what prayer is. Yeah, prayer, prayer was, uh, I love what you said about the car there, Zach. Prayer, prayer for me became so real when I would be driving on the road and feeling the need to talk to God, and I would just start talking to God. And then a song would be on the radio, a Christian song, and I would get into that song. And then all of a sudden I would think, like, oh my gosh, I didn't even end my prayer, right? Mm. So then I'm like, did my prayer really matter? And I realized, like, it did. Like, I just had a conversation with God, and that's what I needed in that time. And so that prayer can be so simple, and I think we just make it so complicated. Mm. And, and I think that verse is... A verse is awesome. I think it's a, a great reminder that we just sometimes need to simplify things and get out of our own way. Yeah, and then Paul gives us for the third step in the peace cycle, he he actually gives us a little more detail. I think he's talking about the prayer here. So right, right, he's number one, he says, Don't be anxious about anything. Number two, but pray about everything. And then number three, he says, Tell God what you need. And this this is really simple. And I think this is this is probably the point the men really need to listen to here is you need to verbalize your needs. Don't, don't just, in your prayer time, don't just tell God what you know, what you think he should do in this situation or that, help this guy or that guy. Or the other. I, it's interesting, he says, tell him what you need. T- tell God what you need. How about you admit your needs to God? How about you verbalize your needs to God? And I think, again, for us, Guys, I think all three of us would admit that years ago, we we probably didn't pray like this a lot. I know my prayers are different now than they used to be. Uh, my prayers are more vulnerable now than they ever were before. And that that's not only helped my relationship with my wife, but it's helped my relationship with God, right? Because I'm putting myself in this place where I'm saying, God, you're in charge and I'm not. I, here's what I need. I Here's what I need right here. This is what I need from you right now. Why Why do you think men don't like to admit it? their anxiety or their needs. I think it's a it's a belief of disappointing um, God. Somehow they they feel like that they really have the ability to to just disappoint God because they're anxious or fearful. Um, and we discussed that in our first episode. Um, why do some people not? You know, is 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 my walk with God not the right way? Therefore, I'm being punished. Um, and we know God doesn't punish us like that, and yet we still let it impact our our mind when it comes to bringing something to Him. Yeah. So for you, Peter, I know that you, for you, a big part of this secret to overcoming anxiety has been journaling. The journal for you has been a place where you've been able to verbalize your needs. You actually write it out. Big time. Yeah. It's uh, journaling has almost become a, a letter to God, uh, and. And I, I end it with a you know, little bit of a prayer, and I have a little signature. Well, put a little cross there and end it a certain way. But really, over time, it's just involved into a, a very vulnerable letter to God verbalizing 
exactly where I am in that moment, broken, weak, struggling, whatever it is, and just giving it to, to God to, 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 to work out, to, to make a masterpiece of a mess. Well, and then, and then Paul does this last thing. Okay, so we've got step one, which is to overthrow worry, it, to not worry about any, to, to declare that you're not going to be a worrier anymore, and replace worry with prayer, number two. And num number three, Paul gets specific. He says, verbalize your needs, tell them what you need. And then number four, one last thing. And this, to me, this is so important. A lot of people miss this. He says, and thank him for all that he's done. Right, So the last thing you do is you thank God for the wins. Because I think there's something that happens with anxiety. It's like you get in this negative, this negative pessimistic loop with anxiety. And pretty soon you're like, woe is me and, and all this bad stuff that's happened to me. And you can get it, depression goes hand in hand with anxiety. And I think that's why Paul understood that 2,000 years, years ago. He said, so look, do, do this at the end of all of it is thank him. Don't forget to thank God for the wins. Yeah, this this was this was pretty big for me in that um, in reading through Philippians 4 um, 6 and 7 it talks about that thankfulness aspect. And I think that um, oftentimes I was not very thankful for the circumstances that God had put me in. I was um, not happy for the circumstances <laughs> that I was in, right? And uh, and I I finally got to the point of um, you know, when we had, when we had two little ones who none of them slept and I didn't get sleep and, uh, stressful jobs, um, I was, I was so concerned over the fact that those were such difficult situations or I was in a difficult situation that I never took the time to really take a step back and think about how great the situation was or what the benefits in the situation were. And those benefits were that, um, I was being drawn closer to God out of necessity, right? I needed God more than I had ever needed God previously in my life. And when I took a step back and continued to read this passage, my, my prayers changed, and I was so much more thankful for those circumstances. I remember, I remember one, one day I was talking to a buddy about this who had struggled with it in the past, and he responded in a way that, um, that I never thought anybody would respond, or, or him. He said, you know what? Zach, it sounds like you're in a really good place right now. And I said, excuse me? I don't feel like it. He said, you're growing so much closer to God because God's showing you how much you need Him. And um, and when times are easy and you're not going through difficult times and you're not feeling kind of that angst, um, we don't feel that we need God. But the reality is we always do. So for me, it, it, I got to the point where just being thankful for my anxiousness and thankful for that feeling and thankful for the circumstances that, would, that I was in. Um, and that, that completely changed my, my mentality 180 degrees. And Peter, you have a, you have an exercise that you actually do pretty regularly, right? I do. Yeah. My, my wife came up with it. We call it the five things exercise. And, uh, really what she, she encourages is that we write five things, um, that you're proud of yourself for and five things you're grateful for. Uh, and at first it was just going through the motions, but I will be in the middle of the day, 11 o'clock in the morning, a couple bad things didn't break my way at work, and I could easily go to that place that you're talking about. Woe is me. I'm going to just kind of go downhill here. I'll grab that journal. 
put the date at the top of the page, and there I go. And it's amazing, um, just that reflection on some gratitude. Uh, it's it has the ability to really change the attitude. Okay, and I want to. I just want to remind everyone: we're talking not about doing this one time. We're not. We're not talking about, you know, this this secret to overcoming anxiety, this peace cycle from Philippians 4, 6. We're not talking about something that is a one and done thing. Like, okay, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to go home and do this. I'm going to not worry about it. I'm going to pray about it instead. I'm going to verbalize my needs, and I'm going to thank God for all he's done. And now I'm going to say amen, and I'm going to look up, and I'm going to say, okay, where to go? Why, why, why do I still feel anxious? Why did it not work? We're, we're not talking about a silver, silver bullet solution. We're talking about a lifestyle, right, guys? We've all entered into a lifestyle around this. I remember when I went to my doctor, he said, if you don't change your lifestyle, this isn't going to go away. It's not going to go away if you don't change your lifestyle. And so we're talking about a life, we're, we're talking about saying, I'm going to have a new way of approaching life. I am going to not, I'm going to not be a worrier. I'm not going to let it dominate me. I'm going to be a person of prayer now. Doesn't mean you're going to be a monk. I'm just going to be a person <laughs> of prayer. I'm going to get, connect to God more. I'm going to, I'm going to verbalize my needs. I'm going to be more intentional about being thankful. It's going to be a part of my life. I'm going to be a thankful person. We all know those people who are just negative people. And they're, what I'm saying to that person is, no, stop it. You need to be a thankful person. You need to, People need to say, what something's changed in you. You're always thankful now. You're always speaking about the blessings in your life and what God has done rather than focusing on that again. We're saying, you're, we're saying to do these things, this peace cycle, over and over and over and over again. Let it redefine your life, and the anxiety cycle will be defeated in your life. And here's what, here's what the payoff is. It's verse 7, right after verse 6, where it gives us these, these four things. And Paul says at the end of all this, he says, and then the peace, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Man, I just love that. We could spend the next hour talking about that. But look, he says, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus, not just as you t dip your toe in the water and try this once. He says, no, if you live this way, if you make a decision, this is how I'm going to live my life, this is how I'm going to approach my life, what will happen eventually over time is that his peace will guard your hearts and minds. You know, Zach, for you, I think you read that a little differently than I do. And I, I really love how God, what God has spoken to you about that verse. Yeah, as, as I got to, to, to know this verse and, and learn this verse, as I would read through that, uh, through verse 7, I would um, I would constantly be drawn to the fact that what his peace is guarding is our heart and our mind. And um, for me, it was it was almost physiological to the extent where when I would be anxious, the areas of my body that would be tense or would hurt would be would be my heart, would be my chest, or the area of my body that would be um, I feel like, going crazy and all over the place would be my mind. Mm. And so when reading through this passage and thinking about being thankful and thinking about praying and and admitting to God what I need, um, I would go to, to verse 7 and think about 
if my if my heart calms down and my mind calms down, like the symptoms of being anxious, like everything everything's gonna be okay, <laughs> you know. So so for me, it was just so applicable to to actually how I was physically feeling at the time, which um, which was weird. So here's the secret to overcoming anxiety in your life: Philippians four six and seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you want to talk about today's lesson, or if you want to check out the other lessons for this series on anxiety, you can find it all at PursueGod.org forward slash anxious. And go through it with your family, with your small group, with a mentor. We hope you enjoy it. And we hope you join us next week as we get into episode two. Hey, listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.